One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Three, two, one, boom. Rory, and we're on. Dude, the nickname Sabo, bro, that's a cool fucking nickname. When was the first time somebody called you Sabo? Um, actually, I think it's kind of been like a family one from South Africa for, I don't know, as long as I can remember. Yeah. You golf. Is golf popular in South Africa? Uh, I would say it's probably the fourth or fifth, you know, most popular sport there. So it's uh, not quite as popular as here in the U.S. Is soccer the main sport there? Soccer, cricket, rugby, and then tennis, and then, I don't know, toss-up between surfing and golf. Dude, did you play any of those sports growing up, or you were just golfing? No, I, uh, I grew up playing pretty much every sport uh, until about 11 years old. I played soccer, rugby, cricket, tennis, uh, everything. And then, uh, I don't know, when I was about 11, I, I kind of... Yeah, I sat up there thinking about it one day. I was like, well, you know, golf probably is the one I can play for the longest, so I'll focus on golf. And Sabo, were you good at the other ones also, middle of the pack? How were you at the other sports? Uh, you know what, I, I would I, I'd probably say I was middle of the pack, uh, you know, maybe in some of them not like rugby. Obviously, I was never going to be good because I was always the smallest guy on the field. Um, but no, I, was, I was okay in tennis. Um, but uh, cricket I was very good at so that was another sport that I was good at dude cricket is very sport, very close to baseball I'm a baseball guy and I'm Cuban so we just it's just baseball 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 man oh yeah your dad growing up was he the one that pushed golf that introduced you to golf was there a family member how'd you get involved in that uh the Actually, the real reason I got involved in golf is my parents played golf, and so their way of occupying me while they were playing was they gave me a, a chop-down club and a ball and let me follow them around the golf course. So I just followed them around. When you picked up the clubs and you started to notice, or your parents started to notice, you were good. Did they apply any pressure to you, like, Sabo, you got to practice, you got to do this? Like, How was their influence with you in your golf game? Um, actually, they didn't push at all. Um, you know, it was um, it was more one of those things that I just had such a desire for it that they knew that they just needed to stay out the way. So, you know, I'd come home from school and then I'd get my clubs and then I'd walk down to the golf course and I'd go practice. And then, you know, when it was dark, I'd walk home or they'd come pick me up. Um, so, yeah, I, it was just I was always you know, wanting and desiring to play golf. That's crazy, man, because as I see now, I don't know if you're aware of youth golf now and everything that's going on, just like in youth baseball. I almost feel like a lot of time the parents try to hack their kid's career with a lot of extra things that maybe a professional golfer can use. But an eight-year-old kid, 10-year-old kid is almost ridiculous, man. How do you uh, feel about that? There's, there is. Um, parents, and, you know, I grew up with um, a friend that his, his dad was the same way. He was just adamant that he was going to be the best golfer and would push him, push him, push him. And sometimes it works, but 
you know, I've seen a lot of it go the other way where it kind of almost makes the kid revolt against it and not have any desire for it and want to have no part of it. Rory, I'm the, I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far, bro. My, my dad abused the shit out of me through the sport. So it was, it was not fun. It was horrible, man. So I'm a big proponent of what you're saying to keep it fun, to keep it engaging as long as your kid is into it and the golfer is into it, man. When well, you start, I think it's the situation where you have to provide the opportunity and let the desire be there. I think if you try to create the desire, you're not going to. It's, 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 it's kind of like trying to force love. It's not going to happen. You, you said know, it, buddy. You, you, you just, you just, you, it, and it is. It, it's a, a love and a passion for for doing that. And the more you try and force it, it does not work. Can't force love, dude. I love you said that. You cannot force love. When, when you were growing up now as a teenager, man, and you started to notice, wow, there's a shot of here of me doing something here. What would you focus your attention more on? Were you, because I know you're known for being, you have a great close game, short game. Were you concentrate on that? Would you focus on everything? What would you focus more your energy on? Well, you see, growing up, in South Africa, um, basically, junior golfers were, they were encouraged, but we had restrictions. So we were not allowed to play on any afternoon. So obviously, when I got back from school, I was not allowed to, to play golf. Our driving range on our golf course wasn't very long. So, you know, I basically started really just focusing on short game, putting, things like that. But I'd get on the driving range and we had like a little green that we could aim at and there was a tree on there. So I'd go and hit, put golf balls behind the tree and I'd hit it through the tree, around the tree this way, around the tree the other way. So I just, I learned to be able to create movement with the golf ball and to create shots. So that's where, you know, my passion for it came in. It was the artistry of being able to create shots to envision it and make the ball do what you were wanting it to do. Nice, man. Your movement to the U.S., was it to go to Arizona State? Is that why you moved to the U.S.? Uh, yeah, well, I came over um, and went to University of Arizona. Um, Big difference there. That's the Wildcats? That is. Uh, no, oh. actually, I, I applied to ASU, and they rejected me. So I made them suffer for that every time I competed against them. I love it. I love that. I love but, that. Um, no, I, uh, yeah, I came over to college, and, uh, you know, I was fortunate uh, – uh, had a couple of opportunities at different colleges to attend, but I knew one of the kids that was already on the, the golf team at the University of Arizona, so that's what I, why I picked there. How was it being a college kid, dude, with that sexy accent you got going on, man? I'm sure at Arizona, uh, you probably drove everybody crazy there, huh? No, i tell you what, it was, it was actually quite entertaining because, um, you know, when I grew up in, in South Africa, the education system was unparalleled it was really a very good system you know when i came to college and i'd already done three years of calculus so when i came in to college it was like you know i took intro to uh, algebra i'm like what is this this is like you know this is ridiculous how easy this is but um no i i just uh i came over and but the the funniest one was nobody could ever understand me that's why i have a blended accent now i got so tired of people not understanding and having to you know, repeat myself over and over. So I, I kind of blended it, but 
I just, I, I remember, you know, like first day in class, you, you go in class and, you know, the teacher goes, okay, introduce yourself, you know, first name, where you're from. And so I was like, I'm Rory, I'm from South Africa. And I remember as vividly, like it was yesterday, there was a girl in class. She goes, you can't be. I go, what do you mean I can't be? She goes, you can't be from South Africa. I go, yes, I am. She goes, well, you're white. You can't be. I'm like, wow, the education system is maybe not the best in this country. Well, because they, it's hard, man. The awareness stuff of just other parts of the world is just is crazy here, man. It's just really crazy. How good were you in college, man? Did you... What did you excel at? Was it the short game again? Was it strategy? What separated you from everybody else? Um, I don't know if there's anything that separated me from anybody else. Um, I think the, probably my, my strongest forte has been my determination. Um, I just, I'm a very driven person. I'm very adamant on, I'm, I'm probably my, my worst critic because I'm never, I'm never, accepting and never really pleased with how i perform i always feel i can do better and that's probably been my downfall too but um you know i i just always feel like i can do better so i'm always driving myself to do better and to play better and to score better and you know it, it's it's i'm as i said i'm my own worst critic sabo do you find that being that way man because a lot of people that are that way sometimes leave the fun part of the process of doing stuff because you're so like oh i could have done this i could have done that man is that a golfer's worst enemy that thing of trying to be perfect every time well that's ironic part golf is not a game of perfect it never will be um it is the only sport that is a non-moving sport you're not it's a not should i say it's a non-reactionary sport you're not reacting to an opponent you you're competing against yourself and you're competing against the course that's so you have no you have no one you can't go oh well i got outplayed here it, it all falls upon yourself so i think that's the toughest part about it and yes for me i lost a lot of that enjoyment factor which um you know it, it's tough because that, that's the part that really allows you to free up and perform better which you know it, it's kind of a catch rate too and if you free up and perform better but you, you free up, you, you kind of might lose the focus too. Sabo, is anybody preparing golfers for that, for like this, that weird chess mindset thing? Do, do you get training? Is there good coaches at that? Or, or is it just like you just like figured it out as you lived? No, I, I, it, it's actually, it, it's interesting because I think, you know, Tiger was really the first person that came out with that mental approach, almost, you know, through his dad, had that mental training to come out and have no fear and and be the dominant force he was. And I think the trend has been that, you, you, you know, well, from when I got on the PGA Tour, the average age was almost 20 years difference to what it is now. So, well, excuse me, sorry, 10 years difference, not 20. That'd be a little too much, but, um, you know, it was just, I think the kids today coming out are so much more mentally prepared. They're working with mental coaches. They're working with, you know, physical coaches, strength training coaches, swing coaches. They've got this whole repertoire of people behind them, but their mindset and their preparation mentally for coming out and competing on that stage is 
so far advanced of what it was 20 years ago. It's, it's not even funny. It's just, you know, you, you look at, you know, Sung Jae-in. The kid comes out and he's just got no fear. He's just, he's mentally tough. He's prepared. You know, Colin Marikawa, same thing. You know, Justin Thomas, you know, great player. You know, yes, he had a father that was involved in golf beforehand, but still to come out and be mentally prepared is one thing. And you see it more and more every day. All these young guys coming out and they're just, they're, they're physically and mentally more prepared. It's a good answer, man. I, with talking about young golfers that you brought that up, the resources, the parents, golf is, unfortunate, is an expensive sport, man. Oh, just the way it is, everything about it. It's crazy expensive. It's crazy expensive. Where would you, as a parent, your resources would be to what? And the reason why I ask you this is because there was a kid that I worked with in baseball when he was five years old. Now the kid is a, a golfer doing phenomenally well at eight years old, and he's one of the top guys in the country. He's doing really good. And the dad brought me on to just work on the communication with him and his son because unlike baseball, see, baseball, at least the player's lucky that the dad will scream, but he can't be in the field. But in golf, a lot of these people, the dad is the caddy. So the dad is the chirping there the whole way, and the experience becomes horrible, man. Where would you recommend that as a parent the resources go to? Would it be to a mental coach? Would it be to a swing coach? Like, What do you suggest? Well, you know, obviously it <laughs> – it, that, that's that's a, t- a tough one to answer because, um, you know, the mental part of the game is, you know, 90% of golf. But it's not going to help you unless you can physically swing the club and do all the right things to be able to compete. So I think initially, you know, probably more emphasis should go on to the technique, the, the physical coaching, you know, swing coach, things like that. Then as they get older and you know, your body does change, you will, you, you will adapt, you will continue to grow. But I'd say probably more towards later high school, maybe then start switching it a little bit more the other direction towards more of a mental coach, because that's then the preparation of how you think and how to take what your physical abilities are and, and use those to maximize them. Rory, what's the biggest difference between when you started as a pro and you right now, man? Is it the mental part? Obviously, physical part is that'll change. But what do you think is the biggest difference between that golfer and this dude right now? Well, I'd say, you know, obviously, physically, I'm extremely late in my career now. So I'm on the downward side of the slope where I'm starting to lose my physical ability more and more every day. Um. But mentally, I think I've just become better at how I manage my game out on the golf course, my thinking out there, you know, being able to use what my strengths are and to maximize those. Um, I'm not going to overpower a golf course anymore. It's not going to happen. Um, golf courses have changed. Technology changed. I've got older. But um, I think it's just more... I wish I had had this ability when I was younger because I probably would have won a lot more golf tournaments um, if I'd known how to be able to maintain and work my way around the golf course more like a chessboard. 
That I love that man. Like a strategy. Like, mm-hmm. and, and what is it when you're young? Is it ego? Is it like testosterone? Like, what is it that doesn't allow you to do that? Is it pace? What is it? Uh, I'd say probably for me it was I just you know it wasn't scared. I was just like, okay, you know what? I'll figure out a way. And you know, it's yeah, it's all fine and well, but there also comes a point where you got to go listen. You know, sometimes it, it's weighing that risk reward factor and being able to assess. You know, sometimes hey. You might not want to hit the gas. You might want to touch the brake, you know, and save it for another corner. But, you know, for me, I was just like gas all the way. <laughs> Dude, now, now as you look at your strategy, do you have a coach, somebody that helps you, or are you just everything on you that you come up with your plan for every tournament? No, I've got a good group of – I don't use, per se, a coach. I um, I have a putting coach that he's actually one of my best buddies and – you know what, for I don't know how many years, he kept telling me, you know, you need to do this with your putting, you need to do this, this with your putting. I kept telling him, no, you're an idiot, uh, you know, I don't need to listen to you. And I finally, after like three years of arguing with him, I finally said, okay, fine. Well, you know, in three years, he took me from like 150th in putting to like 30th on the PGA Tour, which wow. is a huge difference. But I've got a group of, 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 of close friends that, they give me more feedback than anybody because the people that are closest to you are the ones you're going to really truly listen to. And I'm fortunate that I've got that group of people in my life that are very good at, you know, helping me through some of the stuff. You know, they see me when I come off the golf course and frustrated and they sit there and they talk with me and, you know, go, okay, listen, you did this, you did this right. You know, this, you might need to do some work on and this, you know, we've got to eliminate. So I get good feedback that way. Sabo, and how good are you at taking criticism, bro? I'm about as good as anybody. I, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like, especially in golf, because it's just like, man, it's it's so hard. I love the sport, man. I, I love it, but it's so so interesting, man, and it's so so hard. You mentioned their putting. Mm-hmm. What percentage should a young golfer spend working on the greens? Well, if you think about it this way, per statistics, 50% of golf is on the greens. That, that's, that's, a, that's a, a, statistic, a statistical fact. So if you figure you got at least 50% of the greens, you've got maybe 10, not even about 10% driving. You got about 30% of your iron play. You know, 5% of your fairway woods, but then you got about another 20% in your short game. So you got to figure out your time wise on how you work this because, you know, if you go 20% short game and 50% putting, that's 70% right there. So the rest should only consume 30% of your time. But it's, again, it's not always how much you practice, it's the quality of your practice. What makes good quality practice? It's just the focus, the intensity. What, what makes you know good it, quality practice? We've all seen it. You see guys go out in the range and hit the ball perfectly. No problems. Everything's good. And they hit it straight. They hit it solid. Everything like this. They get in the course. They, can't, they couldn't buy a, you know, hitting the side of a barn from 10 feet. Because when you get on the range, we kind of all go into that just mindless mode of just doing it. You don't think. You just do. Well, that's the thing. You get on the course, then your brain takes over. Well, your brain does not always work with you. So that's why when you're on the range, make your practice more precise. You know, if you stand there, you want to hit a specific shot to a specific target, a specific distance. 
and you want to do it and you have to envision how you're going to do it and you don't be accepting until you actually do what you want to do but once you do it once you've got to at least replicate it another two times so you know be more finite in how you practice don't just stand up there and go oh, okay it's a wide open field i'm just going to smash it out there because yeah you're probably going to hit it solid you're probably going to hit it where you're aiming but if you start to put that mental pressure on yourself while you're practicing it prepares you for on the course i love that man i love that what percentage of time would you say a young golfer should invest in range versus practicing on the course um yeah i'm i, I don't know I'm not, i'm not your norm i only probably practice maybe 10 percent on the range and 90 percent of my practice on the course because i get the feedback from the course i love that too I, that, man and, that, and that's what i use i use that feedback because it gives me a register of how I'm hitting the golf ball. If I'm hitting the ball and hitting the shots that I'm trying to envision, that's what gives me feedback. That's what builds confidence in me doing what I'm wanting to do. Because if I go on the range and just hit shot after shot after shot, you know, yeah, it, it probably get, I'm probably going to hit it good. You know, I might you know, hit a couple bad, but whatever. But it doesn't give you that visual representation and recognition of exactly how that's transitioning onto the course when you're on the course and you hit the shot and you hit the shot you're trying to that gives you the visual representation and response of what you're looking for so i put more emphasis on that than i do on the range but for younger kids in my you know spending some time on the range is probably beneficial right sabo what do you do for fun man other than golf well, uh, pre-COVID, um, you know, hang out with friends, you know, went to the beach, you know, went fishing, you know, enjoyed life. What, um, what kind of fish do you catch, bro? What kind of fish? Oh, I, I, love, I love deep sea fishing. I love going out, being on the ocean, you know, go catch You don't get seasick? Nah. I, you know, maybe it's in my blood. My, my grandfather was a fisherman, so maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit in my blood, but I love being on the ocean. And just how, uh, how often do you go out that. fishing? How yeah, often do you go out enough. fishing? Not enough. Um, you know, when I went to Hawaii, I'd always go out in Hawaii, but um, you know, I haven't, I haven't gone in before. It's probably been at least oh, three years, four years Boy. since I went out. Yeah. Wow, but you live in Florida now, no? Yeah, I live in Florida. Dude, we got but, some good fishing here. Come on. Oh, I know. I know there's great fishing here. <laughs> I, I, I'd go out off Singer Island. Um, but nice. uh, no, with, with, with this COVID thing, it's like, I come home when I'm not traveling. Right. I grill out, soak it, I go swim in the pool, just relax. Chill out, huh? House. Yeah, exactly. Rory, what's your favorite type of music? Oh, I listen to everything. Yes, I listen to everything. I literally listen to everything. Uh, my, my playlist is just all over the charts. What's top on your playlist? What's one song that you, that you really like, man, or one group? Um, I'm a huge Bob Marley fan. Favorite Bob Marley song? Hmm, probably Redemption song. Redemption song, huh? Dude, what do you think made Bob Marley so good? There's just like a relaxing vibe to that guy. It's just, it's just, what is it? I think, I think it was purely he just put a soul into his music. Man. You know, it, it just, it wasn't just a song written for him by somebody else that he recorded that. You know, there was demos and this, that, the other. He wrote his music, 
or and his, and the Whalers wrote the music, and they really they, they put their hearts and souls into their music. Sabo, other than you, man, any other golfer that you think that comes to your head that puts their soul into the golf, man? There's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah, there really are. You know, it's um, go, if you don't put your soul into golf, you're never you're never going to be good at it because you know it's it's something you really you you have to have that burning desire inside you that comp that competitiveness inside you to that drives you because otherwise you you you, you know you just be like very you know complacent out there and, and you can't be in golf sabo how do you view i saw you have an instagram account how do you view social media man is that something that that is welcome now in golf is it in baseball believe it or not it's the reverse the baseball players make so much money that they don't want to get in trouble in social media. They don't express themselves as they're very limited. And especially the baseball players coming up even more. How do you see it in golf? Do you see more of the dudes are more out in the open, more sharing stuff? Uh, I would probably say I, I would doubt that they're sharing that much. It's very superficial. Um, you know, it's just social media is a very dangerous tool. It's a very dangerous tool because, unfortunately, we live in a, in a world today that everybody is extremely sensitive. Yeah. And, you know, what may be stated could be misconstrued and taken in a very, in a very negative way. Um, and it, it never meant that. But it's, it's like anything that somebody hears, your perspective on what you hear and my perspective on what it could be the same statement can have totally different meanings and that's where this whole thing with social media becomes very very you know dicey it's a, it's a very razor blade thin line yeah man and it's like sabo's like nobody wants to give anybody a shot to explain themselves no, like, no, oh, no 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 well you know what the uh uh innocent until proven guilty is a farce now it's guilty until proven innocent and you never <laughs> you know what you, you you'll never prove yourself innocent in the public world it's just not going to happen and it's almost like even worse if you apologize because then it's like you it's like you get destroyed. So I hear you, man. I hear you. You know, I, I, you know what? There, there are people that say stupid things and, you know, it happens. It happens. It happens in everybody's life. If, if somebody thinks that they're not going to ever say something stupid in their life, they're they're living in a fancy world because it's not going to happen. And. It's, I think, the forgiveness and the acceptance of, of people towards somebody that might make a mistake. There's a lot of people throwing rocks in glass houses. And it just, they don't see it. They see something occur, they see it for black and white, and go, well, you know what? They don't see the gray. And they can't see that, you know, sometimes people do make mistakes and they, you know, hey, I said sorry, you know, I apologize, whatever. And, you know, okay, cool. You know what? Give them the benefit of the doubt. But that's not existent anymore. I agree, man. Sabo, I think you're I think you're an underestimated golfer, dude. I think what you've given to the sport, the integrity that you've played with, the honesty, man, your authenticity, I think it's been huge for the sport, man. And I'm so happy I was able to get you on this and to hear your insight. And I really wish you would do more because you got such a good story and you care and you're 
you're you and that's the best gift I think anybody can have is be really good at being themselves, man. Before I let you go, any questions for me, man? Anything I can help you with? No, you know, there's, there's, uh, it's just, you see, the, the thing with me is I, I've got to be very cautious because I am the type of person that I was raised with a mother that, you know what, if you have something to say to someone, you say it to their face and that be it. You know, they could take it for what it's worth or disregard it. And I'm also the type of person that, hey, if I like to be around you, you'll know I like to be around you. If I don't like to be around you, you'll know I don't like to be around you. I'm very straight. I'm not, I don't play games. I don't go and give you one answer, then turn around and give someone another answer. That's just not who I am. And I think of yours, yes, that's gotten me some trouble with, with the media. But, you know, again, it's just, I am who I am and I'm, I'm not going to apologize for it. I try to be, I try to live my life. I try to, you know, make the right choices and that happens. But I think that is the people that are my friends really appreciate that about me. Oh yeah. And they, and, and they know that they're always going to get a straight answer. So I love that. You know, dude. I just, I just wish more people were able to do that instead of just being so consumed about trying to do what is visually seen as correct, you know, because you might as well be yourself because everyone else is taken. Dude, I, I trust me, dude, uh, as a guy that I didn't become a man, Sabo, till I hit 31 and I was in Las Vegas, buddy. I had identity issues growing up because my dad enslaved me and he controlled everything I did. And I made a thousand mistakes in, when I went to Los Angeles trying to be somebody else. And and for me, it that didn't work out, man. What, one, one last question now that I saw that. Tattoos. You getting any more tattoos or is that the only one you have? I got a whole bunch. Yeah. Any chance you're going to get sleeved up or, or no? Uh, I've already got down my arms. I've got around my, uh, you know what? We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to, but, I, I'm, but I, could, I could totally see you got the same barber as me. You know what, man? That's another question. I started here. That's, I talk about this with everybody, especially with dudes. So I started to lose my hair, Sabo, probably when I was 19 years old, man. And we don't, equip men to deal with that stuff because it's almost like oh you're losing your hair there's something wrong with you you're not it's like weird man and i went as far as and i want to get your take on this i was trying to act before you saw me in vegas i was trying to act so i so i made the mistake of my hair was thinning here back here was a mess and i had jet black hair and at the time the biggest actors in the world was Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, guys with full set of hair. So I go, I can't be a dude with thinning hair. So I went and got the hair surgery, right? Mm -hmm. With Bosley, like about, I was probably 25 at the time. Did no research. Did no research that you had to take Propecia, Proscar, all these things. Here we are as men, we want testosterone. Now we're taking pills to drop our testosterone so we could have hair, which is just crazy. And... It was the biggest mistake I ever did. I got this beautiful scar in the back of my head that I, that I used to tell people that I got into a motorcycle accident. <laughs> and then now I say the truth because I want to encourage young dudes to, dude, deal with it. Shave your head, whatever. But the ironic part of life is, who's the biggest actor in the world right now? Oh, you know, obviously, that, that, that would probably, well, that's a big question on who the biggest one is right now. But I'd say the majority of them that you look at don't have hair. You know, The Rock doesn't the have rock, hair. The, the Rock's the yeah. biggest one, and the dude is bald. And when everybody in Hollywood told him, 
because we had the same acting coach. No, 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 you can't be that big. You got to be lean because on camera you look big. He said, you know what? I'm going to do my own shit. I'm going to get as big as I want. I'm going to shave my head. And he's the number one. So look how stupid I was, man. And not till I moved to Vegas, Sabo, was I comfortable with that, man. How were you dealing with this haircut, dude? Did it? Did you did you well, embrace no, it? Did you no, fight I, it? I, I still have hair. I just um, with COVID, I didn't want to go to uh, to go get a haircut, so I started uh, taking the razor the one day in the, sh in the shower and or well, the clippers, and I was trying to clean up the sides because I, I was just getting kind of fuzzy. And then I took the guard off, and my wife asked me a question, and I you know I wasn't paying attention. I went back. I went, I went oh man, I just took a divot. So then I started trying to work on that well i'm sure everyone's seen that picture of brooks Kopka when his girlfriend gave him a haircut he had that bowl <laughs> cut well i started looking at that i'm like no i can't do this so i just took the trimmers out just shaved it off and that and then after doing that i was like man i actually like this kind of feels good it's the best dude are you are you ever going to hit it with the razor or not yet i don't know we'll we'll see when we get to that point but i just i take it with no guard to shave it all off dude you're pulling it off man i love it i love it brother i can't thank you enough for this for being on the number one positivity show on the internet, dude. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Don't leave yet. I'm going to say bye to you the right way, but I'm going to end the recording now, okay? All right. Well, just tell those kids, uh, you know, just keep focused, keep driving, them, but enjoy what they're doing. Make sure it's what they want to do. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.